For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his spirit and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Paul's letter to the Ephesians is a wonderful kind of summary statement of our life in the Spirit, our life in God. He is writing to a church not only to build up the church, but also to remind them about their maturity spiritually. Now, you know I talk a lot about the way that doing church is not the same thing as living life in God. And we need both things. We need to have the church. It's a place where we do life together, where we learn to love together, where we learn uh, about God and what Jesus has done for us and would ask for us in our lives. The church is a place where we ought to be learning how to love. I like to call the church uh, a laboratory for love. That's that's. You know, Jesus said, hey, here's my church. Go and, and live like I have shown you how to live. But the church, without spiritual grounding, is just going to be a human organization. It's going to be filled with conflict and division and arguments and people who want their own way. The church has to have a spirituality at work. Now, uh, let me say the other side is true. There are all those people today who say, I don't need the church. I'm just going to be spiritual. But the problem with I'm just going to be spiritual, I don't need those people, is the fact that spirituality is really about learning to love, getting us connected to God, getting us to, connected to others, and getting us outside of our own self outside of our own ego. So if my spirituality, if it's all about me, what God's doing in me, for me, 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 then it's still about me. It's not about loving God and loving others. It's, it becomes a, 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 a way of me getting what I want, me doing what I want, me uh, feeling what I want to feel. It, 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 spirituality without the church is just as dysfunctional. They need to be in healthy relationship. We need church, we need spirituality, and they must be together for us to grow in Christ. And this is really what Paul is talking about with this church at Ephesus. 
He is not talking about in this particular part of Ephesians or or most of Ephesians what it means to do church. He's talking about them needing to grow in their spiritual maturity. And uh, at the beginning of Ephesians, it will talk about how God is reconciling all things, the whole of creation. All things are being woven together, reconciled in God. And so when we get here to the end of chapter 3, we come to a prayer. This is an intercessory prayer for these people in this church, again, to grow spiritually. And what's interesting is the very first thing it says is, I bow my knees before God. I bow my knees. Now, you and I, living uh, in this day and age, we hear, I bow my knees, and we think, oh, he's going to pray. But in the ancient world, most of the time when people prayed, they prayed standing up. They prayed with arms raised. They prayed with arms extended. Think about Jews today at the Wailing Wall. They're not on their knees. They're standing in prayer. And Paul's tradition in the early church would have been you stand in prayer. Therefore, when he says, I bend my knees, or when the New Testament is talking about on bended knees, it's suggesting to us something else. To bend one's knees is to submit or to surrender one's will to God. Paul is saying, if you want to live a spiritual life, the most important thing is that you are going to have to surrender your will to God. And isn't that what Jesus teaches in the Lord's Prayer that we just prayed? It's thy will be done. Uh, Too many people want to confess Christ as a way to getting what they want. I'm going to confess Christ and then Jesus is going to give me all the things I want in the world and all the things I want in my life and all. And and that is not the point at all. To confess Christ is to say, I'm not going to live according to my way. I'm going to live according to yours. And the human being, I mean, the, the basic problem of sin is that we always want to defend our heart and our way of seeing things, doing things, being things. And all the while, God's saying, let go of that, and I'll lead you. Let go of that, and I'll lead you. So throughout our lives, it's a matter of us again and again surrendering our will to God. It doesn't happen in an instant. None of us are like, I'm wholly given over to you, except for maybe Mother Teresa. The rest of us are spending a lifetime going, you know what? I need to let go of this and give it to God. I need to trust in God. That is the spiritual journey, and the world doesn't want to surrender. The world doesn't want to submit. If you, if you think about the language in the world, you know, if two nations go to war to surrender is a horrible thing. You've lost. You're weak. You're, you know, you're under somebody else's control. We want to be in control. And again, the spiritual life is saying, I'm going to let you be in control, God. So when Paul begins this prayer, he's saying, do as I do. Submit yourself. Offer yourself wholly unto God and let God be the one who is leading your life. 
Because then what we see is when we are able to do that more and more, just letting go and giving our lives over to God, what happens is we become rooted and grounded. Uh, great uh, children's message this morning about being rooted and grounded. The roots are so important. Many years ago when I bought my very first house, I bought it from some people who said to me, we're not yard people. <laughs> and what they meant by that was uh, other than every couple of weeks running a lawnmower over it, they did absolutely nothing. So, you know, up against the fence were like four years of leaves mulching themselves into whatever I didn't want to know. And at the, the backyard, you know, there was a little splotch here and there of a little bit of grass. And so I, uh, I called to get some estimates because I thought, well, I probably need to seed or sod or do something with this backyard. And the first guy who came out, uh, you know, bless his heart for being an honest guy. Because we go in the backyard and kind of looks around and he says, the roots are still good. Just feed, just water, you'll have grass. And off he went. The roots are still good. You can't always see the roots, but if the roots are fed and the roots are watered, you will see something emerge and come forth. This is such a great metaphor for our life in God. That is why so often we see this kind of metaphor of a tree or a plant or whatever, that the roots, you can't see the roots. You can't control the roots. You can't be like, roots, I want you to grow to the right. Don't grow to the left. You can't do it. You can't trim the roots. You can't control the roots, but you can feed and water them and allow the roots to bring forth the fruit in the life of that plant. And that's our life in God. When we feed and water, which is why we come to worship, which is why we pray, which is why we have fellowship, which is why we read the Bible, all these things feed and water the roots in a way that say, remember, God's going to produce the growth. If we don't open ourselves to God, we're not going to love. You cannot say, I'm going to be loving. And if you don't like it, I'll get rid of you. Because I'm going to be, you can't force love. You can only let yourself be rooted and grounded in God, which is rooted and grounded in love, and let that bring forth the fruit in your life. This is what Paul is saying. Surrender, let the roots grow, let those roots feed you and let yourself grow and mature by this generosity and grace of God. Now, once we're rooted and grounded, there are two things that Paul says will come out in our spiritual lives. And the first thing he says is, you will be strengthened in your inner being. Now, this is really interesting because in, in worldly terms, if you surrender or submit yourself, you're weak. But what does Paul say? When I am weak, then I am strong. Only when I let go of my trying to manhandle this life and get things according to my way, does the strength and the power of God 
work in our inner being. And it's a kind of strength that the world doesn't know. It's a kind of strength that is different from worldly strength. It makes me think about this. You know, the human body at the age of 30 has reached its physical peak. From the age of 30, and our young folk, I hate to disappoint you, but from the age of 30 on, your body gradually grows less strong and able. Uh, You think about professional athletes. Their careers are done usually well by 35. Why? Because their bodies are already deteriorating physically and then, of course, the wear and tear of the game. And that's why someone like Tom Brady uh, was absolutely insane about the way he's taking care of his body at the end of his career and then supplements that with his wisdom and knowledge from all these years of playing. But our bodies begin to decline. And how many of us, you don't have to show me your hands, but how many of us fight against our bodies as they begin to fail us in ways we don't like? I'm here to tell you I'm the same way. I don't like it, body. And so what do we do? We pray, oh, God, fix this thing. Oh, God, fix that thing. But what Paul is saying is when we are rooted and grounded in love, when we are rooted and grounded in love, we are instead in this place where we're not fighting against it, where we have peace, where we have joy, where we're saying, you know what, this is happening, but I trust in you, O God. I trust in you, O God. I trust in you, O God, that maybe as my body is beginning to fail over the decades, maybe it's preparing me for what comes next. Maybe somehow, God, you are at work even in this for my good, for this eternity of love that I anticipate. I trust in you should be our prayer. When we start to have fear or worry, if we're rooted and grounded in love, it's I trust in you, O God. My body may fail me, but you never will. This is what it means to be strengthened in our inner being, is to know that there is nothing more powerful than God and the power of love in the world. Nothing. And then along with being strengthened in our inner being when we're rooted and grounded, is Paul says, And you will see things differently. You will have an understanding that surpasses knowledge. You will begin to understand in many ways that the only thing that can ultimately heal and make whole is the power of God's love. Love is the only thing that truly heals and makes whole. Think about a a child who is taken from the family and put in foster care, and the child has all these things going on within it, and, and it's upset, and finally lands with a family that doesn't try to give them a bunch of rules to make their behavior good, but simply loves them and helps them to know that they are safe and cared for. Love is the thing that heals. Love is the thing that 
is the most important in the world. So when we're rooted and grounded in love, our knowledge becomes one of being able to see God's love at work in everyone and everything. Even a crying baby, especially a crying baby. That God's love is always present and working for the good. And it's not ours to point fingers, to judge, to divide, to argue. Ours is to be God's love in the world. And that's why Paul ends up by saying, when you're rooted and grant, when you're submitted to God, when you're rooted and grounded in love, you are strengthened, you have this depth of understanding. And you will be filled with the fullness of God. You will be filled with the fullness of love. That is our journey, is to become love. Now think about this. If, if I had a cup here, and I have a pitcher, and I start pouring water from the pitcher into the cup, one of two things will happen. I'll fill the cup or I'll run out of water in the pitcher. We think that God's love is like this pitcher, and if God loves me, God can't love those people because, you know, it's a scarce commodity. But God's love is the most generous and lavish thing in the universe. It's a bottomless water pitcher, and once God starts pouring, what happens when it gets when that cup gets filled out it gets filled up it's gonna overflow that is our life in God as we let God fill us with the fullness of love it's going to start overflowing in the world and that is our spiritual journey God needs us to be overflowing in the world because listen there is no love without relationship. Love by its very nature builds relationships. You have to love someone or something else. There has to be a relationship or there is no love. You love your spouse, you love your kids, you love your friends and they love you. You love your dog and cat and guinea pig and turtle. That's love is always bringing together, weaving together more and more people. So you see, this is about our own spirituality, but it is also the spirituality of the church. The church must submit itself to God's will. The church has to be rooted and grounded in the love of God in Jesus Christ. And then the church is strengthened in its inner being. The church, it may not be the biggest church, but it might just be the most loving church. And the church then sees the world differently in a way that it wants to be filled and overflow for the sake of Christ in the world. People of God, this is our journey. It is a journey of love. And it all begins with us really and truly giving our will and our lives to God and saying, be the roots. Let me be rooted in you. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.